Hey everyone, welcome to 10 Movies, where every season we focus on one actor through 10 of their most iconic movies. This season, we're devoting 10 episodes to Dwayne The Rock Johnson, a cultural and now cinematic touchstone. I'm Hemel Javeri, and with me is my wonderful co-host and friend, Brian Minter. Oh, I'm so excited to be here because this movie not only has The Rock in it, it has swords and it has wizards in it. This episode, we're going to take a look at The Rock's first starring role, the 2002 desert epic. I don't know how else you would call it. The Scorpion King, directed by Chuck Russell. I feel like you should have put a little more like the Scorpion King on your voice for that. Like you really just, you kind of just like dropped it in there. True. I, I gave it my best NPR shot and it needed a little bit more. Yeah, this oomph. needs a like, uh, like a monster truck rally kind of pronunciation. It is very much a monster truck rally kind of film. Yeah, this is a Dungeons and Dragons heavy metal monster truck rally movie. And I think there's a lot to enjoy about it for those reasons. Rubber bullets. Big mistake. Woman, I am the Calvary. I'm what you call an ice cold can of whoop ass. Wanna catch wolves? You need wolves. Let's go hunt. All right, well, let's talk about the plot of the Scorpion King. Should I start? Have people seen The Scorpion King? Do people know this movie? I think that if you are a fan of Dwayne Johnson's films, then you might be aware of The Scorpion King. I think a lot of people have because it is one of his first like huge breakout roles. It's his his first uh, big role, yeah. Yeah, after his wrestling days, right? Like when he is making the transition to being not just a wrestling icon, but like a movie star. So for those who have not recently seen the cinematic artwork that is The Scorpion King, Hamill, uh, would you remind us what happens in the film? Okay, this is going to be very complicated, so bear with me. The Rock plays an Acadian called Matthias, and he's basically a trained assassin. So what he has to do is he's commissioned by a gang of resistors, and he has to kill the king's sorceress. There's an evil king. Yeah, who there's has an a, evil like king. A sorceress who helps him. And he has to kill this sorceress. So that's what he starts trying to do is kill the sorceress, but the sorceress is not actually evil. She's kind of being held captive by the evil king. She becomes his girlfriend. And she becomes his girlfriend and then he decides that he has to kill the evil king. And he kills the evil king and then assumes the throne of whatever Middle Eastern region he is in because the film is very unspecific about yeah, that. Yeah, it's just sort of a vague <laughs> D&D fantasy desert world that this is all happening in. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be vaguely biblical because I think the town is called Gomorrah. And if you... Oh, it is called Gomorrah. That's right. Yeah. But I don't think... Yeah, if you kill the king, you just become the king in this world, which is a weird <laughs> way to handle that. I, that's not how the ancient Romans did it. I don't think so, but I'm, I wasn't there. And you know, yeah, this is a uh, uh, this is a, a like a fantasy rock and roll kind of movie. Yeah, it, it's not really about plot, and I don't think I did the plot justice because you're really in the Scorpion King for the ambiance of the film and kind of the costuming and the vibe of the movie. Yes, the vibe and the ambiance. You're exactly right. It's <laughs> right. A, like this. You could pick any frame from this movie and be like, oh, I get it. It's that kind of movie. It's a it's a sword and loincloth and wizards <laughs> kind of movie. Did you like the film? I thought the film was terrific. I thought it was like a fun romp of a movie. Uh, and like it's it's very much a B movie, but I think it like it hits this really difficult balance of like it takes itself serious. Like it's not like winking at you like haha, we know this is all dumb. Like it, it's a silly movie, but it takes itself seriously enough to be enjoyable. I thought. 
That's interesting because I had kind of the opposite reaction. I liked the film, but I thought that it didn't take itself very seriously, which is what made it so good. And that it is exactly like the perfect length. Had the movie been any longer, it would have kind of ruined it. It doesn't try too hard with too much plot information. Like it knows why people are here and it's for (laughs) silly swords fights and women in loincloths who are barely covered up and it leans into all of it. Yeah, I, so I, I I agree. Maybe I maybe I, I phrased that wrong. It's not that it takes itself. It's not trying to be the Lord of the Rings, uh, but you know we've got this kind of like modern tone for like you know the Sharknado movies or Snakes on a Plane, where like you're making a film, but you're like you're so aware of what it is that like to me that's actually not very fun when the the movie itself is like ha ha isn't this dumb? Yeah. And there's lots of points in the Scorpion King where like instead of doing like an over the top Gonzo thing like. The, the character isn't like always oh, like jumping and punching and fighting and smashing like he, they're trying to at least like treat this like he's like an assassin and w- sometimes he goes away because he can do a better job if he sneaks around the back and like I feel like the movie is taking itself seriously enough for me to like it's not inviting me to laugh at it. Okay, I I will kind of give you that. It's a very thin line. Yes, it's a very thin line. It is a very very thin line, and I think the Scorpion King manages to. Uh, I think it manages to straddle that line because it understands that you can't take yourself too seriously, but not so much that it is inviting you to like make a joke out of it. Yes, I think it's a it's a thin line to straddle. I think it's a, probably a tough line to straddle. You know, this as you may know, this movie was born out of the Mummy series with Brendan Fraser, which is a I uh, did not know yeah, that. Yeah, so the Scorpion King is a character in like the second or third Mummy movie. Um, and then this movie is like his elaborate backstory. Uh, they're not really closely related, so it doesn't matter. But I would say, like, I bring that up because The Mummy is a great, like, fantastic, like, B action adventure movie. And I think that has the same kind of sensibility where, yeah, it's kind of madcap and it's kind of light, but it's not a joke. I agree with this. Um, I liked it better than I thought I would. I wasn't sure what I would be getting. And I'm the kind of person who will initially be very put off by the scanty women and uh, you know the entire way that they're all dressed in this film but i managed to overlook all of it because nobody in this film is actually wearing very many clothes yeah you're not uh, i i have a, a strong predisposition to swords and wizards and you know and loincloth clad sorceresses in my entertainment you're not really that kind of person so I'm, I'm glad you no. came to it with an open mind <laughs> but i i did enjoy the film um there's not much cast to speak of in the film there's Dwayne johnson who plays matthias and there is some guy who plays the king. Could you not be so openly disrespectful <laughs> to the people who worked so hard on the Scorpion King? No, his name is Stephen Brand. And then he's Kelly, the evil king. He's the evil king. There is Kelly Who, who plays Cassandra, the sorceress, apt name, and Michael Clark Duncan as Balthazar, kind of the yeah, big friendly barbarian king. Yeah, who, uh, and there's a there's a funny sidekick. I can't remember his name. The actor I don't remember the actor's name, but uh, I don't. Uh, he's a, yeah, he's a sort of a uh, you know. We can come back to this, but I feel like because there is such a like deli- maybe deliberately or not, there's such a multi ethnic cast that roles that if it was a majority white cast, roles that might feel demeaning to like a single actor of color, uh, like like that kind of weaselly sidekick guy. Uh, like, I feel like it, it's totally fine, right? Because there's lots of different kinds of, of people presented in this film in that way. Yes. I think that the film might have put certain actors in brown face and made them extra tan. <laughs> yes? You think so? I don't know. Honestly, I mean, I have not done any background checking, but I got to say that 
some of them look a little too tan for <laughs> for what I think. But to your but to your point though, that yes, I think like this is uh you know there's a lot of characters in the movie, but none of them really matter. It's no. all like the, the the Rock running around and shooting people with a bow and arrow and chopping people with his sword. So let's talk about the Rock in this film because that's what we're all here for. This is uh, this is when uh, America's love affair with uh, Dwayne Johnson on screen began. This is his first leading role in a feature film. Also, he has a lot of hair in this movie. Yeah, it's it's kind of because you think of him as bald or basically <laughs> yeah. bald. And he's got it almost looked fake. Like I was so unused to seeing him with hair. Well, the long hair, like he's got very long hair. That part is fake, but the rest of it up top is real. He he almost looks better bald. I feel like he's a. I just know him as bald. Yeah, maybe that's it. I, I just know him as bald. I don't know him as uh, with hair. Uh, but yeah, this is really a rock vehicle in every sense of the word. It is all about the rock taking off his shirt. It is all about the rock, you know, slicing people up with swords, shooting them with a bow and arrow, you know, getting into fisticuffs. Very physical and very reminiscent of what we want from the rock in films. So, you know, you and I grew up in the pro wrestling era where I feel like literally every single pro wrestling dude tried to become a movie star and mm-hmm. you'd think it would work because, you know, it's, a, it's a certainly a form of performance. None of them ever made it, right? Like, you can't think of any pro wrestlers who became legit movie stars except for Dwayne Johnson. And you can see, like, maybe for him a lot was writing on this movie, right? Because they're like, all right, let's take this, like, big, beefy, shouting, trash-talking dude and we're going to turn him into an action star. And, uh, yeah, I feel like he really, like... There's there's obviously stuff he hasn't quite yet learned to do as an actor, as a performer. But yeah, I feel like as someone who's in like every shot of this movie, he holds the whole thing up really well. Like it really rests on him. I and sometimes I think of The Rock as being very silly. Like the kind of masculinity that he has is very easy to find comical because it's so it's over the top. Yeah. yeah, it's cartoonish. But it works very well within the vibe of the Scorpion King, right? It is very much what we need. We need giant muscles and <laughs> you need somebody able to, if you think, okay, well, he's got to defeat an entire army with his bare hands. This is the guy that can do it. But, and I'll come back to this, the thing I was saying earlier, that like I do think that this movie could have been gonzo in a way that it is not and would have made it less fun, right? Like, there's any number of scenes where, yeah, The Rock is constantly, like, shooting and jumping and killing people, but he's not, like, attacking an army literally with his bare hands. He's not, like, jumping. He's not constantly, like, chopping people with his broadsword. Like, we see him, like problem solving there's this like great bit where he's in a he's in he's in the palace and the guards are chasing him and instead of having him like just kill all the guards like one guy defeating 15 dudes he pulls like a giant plate or shield off the wall and he kind of rolls it and he runs behind (laughs) it like he's always doing a lot of like escaping and like setting up his bow and arrow shot in ways that like while it's still over the top and ridiculous i appreciated it more because they're trying to like at least it's creative it's yeah, very, yeah it's more fun it's like it's very creative it's really fun there's a sequence within the film where they're in the desert and they're in a desert cave and he's got to kill 12 soldiers and instead of just doing i'm gonna kill all 12 of them he does a little hide and seek oh, yeah, kind of thing right up out of the mist he takes them he, one yeah, by one he picks them off one by one so kudos to the filmmakers for kind of understanding that you've got to um add some variety to how you kill people in these movies totally. because uh, it's much more fun that way. it's much more fun that way so and it definitely keeps my interest um so the rock one of the key characteristics of a rock film is that he's got to kill people or save people does that here he's done a lot of killing here how big are his muscles 
Uh, well, they're so prominent here. Like, I think he would go on to become even more immense, physically speaking. But, yeah, he's just very, like, naked and oiled up for most of this movie. But they don't look CGI'd. Like, sometimes, especially in later films that The Rock is in... Oh, you think they're they're digitally enhancing no, his I, musculature? No, I don't think that they are digitally enhanced. But I feel like they could be digitally Dwayne, enhanced. Dwayne, if you're listening to this, I didn't say that. That was Hemel. <laughs> I know that this is all you. But... I think in this film, it's all him... Let's talk about the moral goodness of this character. He's an assassin, but he's he's, assassin. he's killing a bad guy. Yeah, he's uh we're we're not really encouraged to see him as morally ambiguous. He's uh we we pretty the movie is the the bad guy is very bad. Like yeah. in classic B movie style, he's just <laughs> evil because he's evil. Um yeah, and the, the, we pretty clearly early on we see that oh, the rock's going to kill that guy. So anything he, anybody he kills along the way is just in service to this greater good. Is there anybody in this film who can challenge the rock? You mean physically to, to fight him? Is there a man or woman that can challenge the rock? Well, you know, the evil king uh, seems confident that he can best the rock in, in one-on-one combat. And you as a viewer are like, well, they, they, you're not going to win this fight. And he doesn't. Uh, I don't know why he thought he was going to win. Because well, he's a great swordsman. He's a better swordsman than the rock, I guess. Yeah, he's supposed to be almost supernatural in his kind of like fighting ability. Um, one of the things with having the rock star in your film is that it's really hard to find a foil that is worthy of The Rock because he's so massive. Well, you know, Michael Clark Duncan, you mentioned, is in this movie. Uh, and he's, he's he's a pal, so they're fighting on the same side. Well, then not at first. Uh, oh, yes, not at first. Yeah, there's first, some antagonism yeah. at first. He's probably the only other actor alive who is, like, as big as Dwayne Johnson. He's a huge man. Well, he's not Vin Diesel. <laughs> I don't think Vin Diesel is that big. I don't think Vin Diesel against The Rock, and he looks a little shrimpy. But Michael Clark Duncan... <laughs> He's got a couple inches on The Rock, and maybe he's even bigger. A I mean, I've never, I've never seen The Rock stack up to another actor, but you're right. Michael Clark Duncan in this film is the only person that kind of comes close. Yeah, there's a scene where they fight hand-to-hand, and yeah, you, you know, Michael Clark Duncan is not nearly that well-known, but you realize how big he is, and you're like, oh, shit, he's as big as Dwayne Johnson, and that guy is bigger than everybody. <laughs> and one of the things I appreciate in this film is that you have to see The Rock do some kind of pro-wrestling stuff, right? This is coming off right... Oh, right yeah, at the tail right, end yeah. of his like <laughs> totally. pro wrestling career and he does a lot of like falls and like jumping through things like it's very theatrical his entire performance so. yeah I, yeah you, i think you're exactly right and i think that like not that he's you know maybe the world's greatest actor but i think that one of the reasons why he's been so popular for so long is that he is capable of like inhabiting a role he doesn't need to always be doing jumping off the turnbuckles when metaphorically speaking but yeah, they didn't know that yet at this point so they, you're right they constantly have him doing that kind of stuff i mean okay so this would not be appropriate within the context of the film but you can't cast the rock in your movie and then just give him a gun it, it why it doesn't make <laughs> yeah, any he's sense gotta, so. he's got to use his gigantic muscles he's got to gotta crush use his, his big heads. muscles to do all this kind of stuff so this is something that i wanted to talk about do you think this movie had to star the rock uh, well, you uh, you know we have a you know you mentioned this recently. We have a real dearth of this 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 tradition of like giant muscly action hero. So yeah, I don't know who else it could have done this. So in the eighties or the nineties, we're we're dating ourselves here with how old we are. But we had Arnold Schwarzenegger, we had Schwarzenegger. We had Stallone. We had Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. You had a huge plethora. Oh, Van Damme. We had oh, Van Damme. <laughs> Van Damme. Right. You had huge like you had this big bucket of like action movie stars uh, that were like mixed martial arts people or whatever to pick yeah, from all these giant fighting men yes and we don't have that anymore we right? just have the rock like we have the rock i we i'm trying to rack my brain to think of who else could star in this big kind of movie maybe 
like a Brendan Fraser had he decided to like be an action star. Yeah, but even then, like, yeah, so Brendan Fraser's in The Mummy, and he's constantly, like, punching and jumping, kicking and shooting, but it's not, like, he wouldn't work in this role, right? No. You'd have to, like, change this character, I think, to, if it was anybody else, you have to change the character so that he's not this, like, mountain of man. Uh, the other one I can think of is Henry Cavill, who has been in the Mission Impossible film, and he has big muscles, right? He plays Superman. He could be an action mm. movie star, but he wants to be like more cerebral. I just don't think, I just think that we you just have don't have a soft have this spot for Henry Cavill that I, I, that I don't share, I gotta say. <laughs> he's very oh, handsome. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, the guy who plays Thor. Oh, Chris Hemsworth. He's, he's like, he's in this mold, this yes. like giant man kind of. Oh, he, I can't believe I didn't think of Chris Hemsworth. But he was Hemsworth. like 10 when this movie came out. So yeah, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have worked. Well, he wouldn't have worked, but I'm trying to think of like other men that fit into this bucket and maybe Chris Hemsworth. Uh, well, maybe, maybe The Rock uh, reminded uh, American filmgoers of our love for these giant meaty guys and that opened the door to your Chris Hemsworths <laughs> and your Chris Evans oh okay Chris Evans nowhere near this caliber of physicality well I know I, I rewatched some of those Avengers movies and that dude like he's like a cartoon he's just got muscles on top of his muscles I mean he has muscles but he's not the rock level of action hero all right, I feel like we've just oh, we've drifted into just becoming <laughs> like a like, was like a, okay. a muscle fan club uh, movie Let's talk about how woke this film is. Uh, well, you know, hard-pressed to say that a B-movie from 2000, 20 years ago is woke. But I was struck by, like, the cast is genuinely, like, meaningfully multi-ethnic. In a way, like, now, like, my daughter's eight, and she watches all these, like, Disney movies. And every single one of those, like, every possible ethnicity is represented in every movie. In a way that almost feels like more like corporate risk mitigation than, you know, an artistic choice. But in this, so back 20 years ago, I don't think that was nearly as on the table as it would be now. So the fact that like almost every actor is a person of color and like really the only white character is the evil king. Mm -hmm. Like that seemed really interesting to me for a movie that is 20 years old. I agree with that premise. Like I think that on the surface, having a very diverse cast is great um, but this movie to me doesn't go really far enough to give them any kind of like specific ethnicity. They're just supposed to be brown. Yeah, they're right? all these like generic fantasy kingdoms. They're just people. like, I mean, Cassandra played by Kelly Who, she is Asian. And then The Rock, uh, we'll talk about The Rock last actually, but Michael Clark Duncan is black. The little, there's a little boy that The Rock pals around with, Mediterranean. Who knows, right? And then there's not- like a woman, like a woman king who's like, uh, yeah. she's African-American and, and she's-, she's got these, you know, these ladies with her. Yes. So it's it a real re- melting pot, this, <laughs> uh, this, this, this kingdom. But the thing is, is that everybody is just supposed to be of color, right? Like they just crammed a bunch of people of color there without really worrying about anything else about them. Yeah. It's more, I think, uh, you know, at the time there was this like idea that like colorblind casting and colorblindness was like, I think we, we thought of that as kind of a really enlightened way of thinking. Like, I oh, think it's not two- even going to, I think that's what this is reflective yeah, of. I think in 2002, that's basically what it was, right? Like it doesn't, it, they were like, oh, it's people of color and then one white person. So that makes it diverse and that makes us, you know, supporting minorities. Um, but I, I feel like back then though, like that wasn't, that wouldn't have been like, necessarily a thought or a pressure for a movie like you you could have made this with an all-white cast and done totally fine at the box office and nobody would have tweeted at you because we didn't have twitter back then that's so, true like the fact like putting it in it's kind of again i'm not i'm not trying to give this you know i don't think this is a cornell west dissertation uh <laughs> but like i i was struck by like how multi i think the cast was at a time when that was not done for like commercial reasons 
I think that we've seen it in other films like so Anaconda is the one that springs to mind when I think about Scorpion King which is like B movie that uh, yes also, kindred, kindred spirits those two movies yeah also has kind of like an absurd plot but just skates that fine line of taking itself seriously and still has also has this kind of mm, kind of diverse cast if Dwayne Johnson had been in Anaconda it would have oh. been over in 10 minutes he oh would have grabbed that snake and like <laughs> snapped it in half oh my god remake Anaconda you're but- welcome Jennifer Lopez <laughs> now I've gotta go remake Anaconda but make it star Dwayne Johnson no uh, so yeah we the the film doesn't necessarily uh win any real plaudits for its multi-ethnic cast given uh, the dimension you've have outlined but uh, how did you feel that the main female character was treated in this movie other than being <laughs> almost naked the entire time I don't I don't like even know if I want to get into it because every level is just wildly wildly offensive there's no there's nothing redeeming about how women, women are portrayed in this film yeah this is like this you is could say terrible. that like yeah the sort of pulp adventure source material is deeply sexist and uh, this was in that tradition, but that's about all you could possibly well, well, say. Well, Kelly, who she plays Cassandra, she is supposed to be a seer, right? Like she can predict the future, but is she Cassandra is... the character's name. Yeah, I have no memory of that at all. Well, I, I just she looked doesn't it up. look like a Cassandra. I looked it up on IMDb, <laughs> and that's what it is. Um, but my point is that uh, she is trapped by the king, and then she escapes. But there's this entire conceit that if she has sex, then she'll lose her sight. Yeah, the only reason he doesn't just, violate her is because he wants access to her sorcerer's yeah, powers that I will just, be lost otherwise. I, I literally, like, it is so horribly, horribly offensive. One, to to think about women's virginity that way, to think about that as a source of their power and their goodness, even though towards the end she kind of makes a joke about how it's just, like, a myth so she can, you know, sure. keep her, um, she can keep from being violated, which is, again, awful there's just so much about this that this is not a movie that was made for women at all. It was made for 12 year old boys. Right. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think that's, I think you're exactly right about that. It and was, like, none of that, like that was all like, none of that was necessary. You know, she could, they could have just not acknowledged that. Like, he wants to, you know, possess her in this way. And just had that not be in the movie at all. Well, you need to prove that your male hero has a sex drive and is like red blooded I mean, male. Evil king. They could have just had the evil king. Like, he values her as a sorcerer and he's a little bit afraid of her and that's it. They didn't need this whole like virginity yeah, power Yeah, I mean, it's thing. just, none of it makes any sense and it's, I wish that it was not in the movie. I don't understand why it is in the film and I think it has aged very, very badly. Yeah, I think that, yeah, this. I think you're, you're exactly right that this is an action movie made uh, for and possibly by 12-year-old boys. <laughs> yeah. That's the sensibility of it. Well, it was pro- executive produced by... Vince McMahon so it was very much just like <laughs> pro for, wrestling guy yeah the pro wrestling guy so it's <laughs> very sense. much for you know that audience yeah there's this very like this movie is like a D&D game come to life and it's like it's I, I, I like the kind of earnestness and sincerity of it like they're constantly having The Rock do things purely because it would be awesome to see him do those things uh, but yeah, the way that, that that she's portrayed above all is, and I think there's no other women in the movie. Right? I can't remember any. Not anyone that has a speaking. Yeah, part. there's like the yeah. sort of the queen helper yeah. lady, but yeah, she doesn't really do a whole lot. So I haven't. Let's circle back to the rock because I want to talk about this for a second. Is the rock coded as ethnic or white in this film? Because I think that when we look at the body of work that the rock is in, sometimes he could be a white guy, and sometimes he has to be an ethnic guy. Uh, yeah, we, when we watch San Andreas. Uh, he was really just treated as a white guy. He was like, he had a white daughter, he had a white wife, and I think we were encouraged to like not notice that he was not a white dude. Here, as you say, yeah, it's, it's kind of this undifferentiated like people of colorness, and so he fits well in that. 
So I do think this movie is much more willing to acknowledge his ethnicity than maybe some of his movies are, but not in a not in a meaningful way. Like as you say, it's not grounded in any particular culture that he's from or associated with. Yeah. Uh, Hemel, who did you think the most valuable player is in the movie? Who did you most enjoy who was not Dwayne Johnson? I think that the movie MVP is actually the camel. And it's not, I don't want to disrespect <laughs> any of the other actors in the film. I thought they all did a great job. Some good acting from a camel. Uh, the, it was, it's, uh, who's the, cam- I, the camel's funny. Who's the, he's not, it's not the rock's camel. He is the it's rock's his, camel. Oh, right. And he does a lot of, uh, he saves the day at one point. He yeah, whistles he saves the, camel the day. It's a, it's a good, um, it's a good little role for a camel. And you don't see a lot of camels in films. So I'm going to, I'm going to give a movie MVP to the camel. Yeah. It's hard to, uh, you know, there's a lot of people running around in the background of this movie. Most of them aren't doing a whole lot. <laughs> uh, you know, I like to, um, so the, one of the, the conceit here is that, they're Acadians, which I, which apparently was an actual like mm-hmm. pre medieval race of people that very little is known about. But they're like there's like these two brothers and an extra dude, and they're like the <laughs> last Acadians left, and they keep showing up in the early part. People are like oh, Acadians, the most dangerous assassins in the world. Um, so the third guy is completely forgettable, but his brother, right, is like he seems like he's maybe an older brother, but he's a little less competent, <laughs> and uh, he's still a badass, mind you, but he's no The Rock. Uh, yeah, then he gets killed by the torture of the evil king and he has he has a good death he does and, uh, uh, he, like I, I got a lot of he's it's a small role but i got a lot of depth from that guy so i, I like, I like the brother those are some good uh good choices yeah on the our camel part and to... the assassin brother are worth watching the film for. <laughs> where do you think this fits into the rock canon well you know i asked earlier if, if people have seen this and i don't really have a good sense of this is if this is a popular film or not but i you know i think this is an important film because this is his uh like you can see why watching this, you know, casting directors were like, all right, the wrestler dude is great. Put this wrestler dude in a bunch of movies for the next 20 years. So, <laughs> like, I feel like this movie was uh, was his chance, and he, he grabbed it. He grabbed the brass ring. As far as debuts go, this is a great debut. Like, this is exactly what movie star mythology is built on, right? Yeah, like, it's, all, it's all right there on the it's screen. It's all right there. Like, he started as this, like, B-movie, having to take a shirt off and be really physical, and then look where he is now. He is like leading the Fast and Furious franchise. He just stole that right out from Vin Diesel and he started as the Scorpion King. Uh, yeah, this is <laughs> where it all began, right here at the Scorpion King with, uh, with the swords and the wizards. Um, but yeah, even in this movie where he's not really asked to do a lot of real acting, you do get like, he's very watchable and he's like, you can almost, you can see the kind of like the humor and charisma he's going to bring to other roles later. And I think that one of the key traits for The Rock is that he doesn't take himself too seriously, right? He does not have kind of this ego attached to his performance. I think with a lot of actors, there's a lot of ego involved. So if you make him do like totally bonkers stuff, he's all in. His background is pro wrestling, right? Like he's been asked to do so much dumb shit that like nothing can phase him. And that kind of fun permeates on screen yeah he commits to a lot of really like crazy nonsensical stuff that the character is doing in this movie i mean i think you know, again who knows how you know what the guy's like personally but yeah i agree that like he he seems aware of his kind of almost cartoonish persona and he's not like actively fighting against it and i think yeah i think uh that kind of if you brought that to this movie it might not have worked as well and so i think he's that balance the movie strikes i think he strikes as well do you think people should watch this film yes you should watch the scorpion king uh, you know, as Hemel pointed out, it has not aged super well. You should have, you should minimize your expectations, but I, I will stand by my assessment of it as a fun romp. I think that if you're a 12-year-old boy and you're interested <laughs> in boobs, then maybe you should watch this film. I, I don't, I mean, this is that's exactly kind of like what it appeals to. Um, maybe if you're on an airplane and you're like, you know what, I need something kind of mindless and really vibey, no plot, 
It, it Watch is kind the of scorpion mild. play. But you know, it's not. I wouldn't say it's a boobs centric <laughs> film. I don't know. But, but if you're using boobs as a synecdoche <laughs> for things that twelve year old boys are into, <laughs> along with D and D and heavy metal, then yes, I would agree. I mean, a very specific kind of twelve year old, I guess. <laughs> um, all right, I, I don't have anything else to say about The Scorpion King. Do you? No, I, uh, I I was excited to watch The Scorpion King. I had seen it before, I must say. You know, show me a movie with swords and wizards and I've seen it before. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hadn't watched it in a long time and I thought it held up pretty well. Nice. All right, well, thank you guys very much for hanging out with us. You can follow us on Twitter at 10movies and remember to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcasts. Yes, you've got to rate and review us, people. All the podcasts say that it becomes, you know, oral, oral wallpaper, but... <laughs> Really, the podcast, great podcasts like ours live and die by their <laughs> ratings and reviews. So please be part of Team 10 Movies. Yes, 10 Movies, our artisanal handcrafted podcast, is brought to you every week with help from Seth Everett and Anthony Gill. See you next week. <laughs>